Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. It has been a great morning already. Good morning to you once again. Um, so glad to see everybody here. It's going to be uh, a, a lot of fun going to take place in just uh, a few minutes. There I am. I was like, maybe they don't want people to see me. I, you know, that's fine with me. Um, all right, moving on. Um, but I got a brand new series that I want to kick off today. Um, and before I kind of dive into it, uh, I do want to say that we love everything that this day represents having an opportunity to bless and honor our students and also to bless and honor those who serve our students. And we we don't take it lightly. It's something that we very much believe in. Um, At the end of the message, we are going to invite every Board of Education employee up, and we're going to have a time of prayer. We have a gift for you as well. Uh, And so I'm not going to preach very, very long, but I do have a word for you today that I think will give you some practical principles that will have a major impact on your life. And I think it's going to fit with the theme of the day. And so um, let me say this. It's not the beginning of the year, but how many of you understand that sometimes the beginning of a school year is a bigger deal than the beginning of the actual year, right? Like January. I know January is a big deal, but for a lot of people, this time of year is kind of a bigger beginning. And so I believe that God has something for us that has the potential to redirect or to change the trajectory of our life and our impact. And I want to call this brand new series, I want to call it Habits. Everybody say Habits. All right. The first message today, I want to call this message specifically, Who Before Do? Who Before Do? Hit your neighbor and tell them, Who Before Do? All right. You're like, what is he talking about today? Well, I'm glad you asked. A couple years ago, I took our staff through a book entitled Atomic Habits. And in that book, um, first of all, it had a major impact on our entire team. And the premise of the book was that we could get 1% better every single day. And I would recommend that book to you if you're a business leader, an educator, uh, if you're a, you're a husband or wife or a business owner, any, anything at all, any kind of field that you're in, I would recommend the book uh, to help you get 1% better. And I want to start with a question, why do habits matter? Why do habits matter? And the answer to that is because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. If someone is spiritually thriving and they are walking close with God, how many of you understand they are doing consistently what some people only do occasionally? If you see a person who is blessed financially, they're successful with money, it's probably because they are doing something consistently that others only do occasionally. 
We can take that to the realm of relationships. I, I have people in my life and I look at them sometimes and I'm like, I'm so like blown away by how successful they are at relationships. But if you look a little closer at why they are successful at all these relationships and can manage them all is because they do consistently what maybe I only do occasionally. And so if we're going to get better, we have to become uh, more consistent in our endeavors. And if we were to look at scripture, which we're going to do today, uh, I think we could all agree if we, we, let's just take two people out of the Bible. If we took Jesus and looked at his life, how many of you would say that Jesus was incredibly pleasing to God the Father? How many would agree with that, right? He was just consistent. He was pleasing to God. We could look at the apostle Paul. He was also incredibly pleasing to God. If you were to look at their lives, the one thing I I can tell you is that Jesus never ever said, I just can't find time to pray. Jesus never made that statement. He, He never said, I'm so busy and these disciples are on my last nerve. I just don't have time to spend time with the Father. They are wearing me out. Peter is all over. We all got a Peter in our life that's just all over our nerves. But he never once said that I don't have time or I can't get into the presence of God. What you see is that Jesus had a consistent habit. Everybody say habit. Of breaking away from the crowd to spend time alone with the Father. Consistent habit. When we look at his life, we see the consistency. We see it in the life of the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that it was his habit to go to the house of God to share the message of Jesus, not only with those that were following Jesus, but it was his habit to share the message with those who were far from God. It was a habit. He did it consistently. Habits matter because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Sean Covey said this. He said, our habits will make us or break us. That we become what we repeatedly do. The good news is that most of us want to make positive changes. How many of you today would say that there are some positive changes you would like to make? Most of us would say, yes, there's some changes we want to make, and they're positive changes, and we see it every year in in the month of January, do we not? Where everybody writes down these New Year's resolutions, and everybody has them, and that's that's positive. I'm, I'm so glad everybody wants to make changes on January the 1st. That's the good news. But the bad news is, is that like 90% of those resolutions are completely gone by Valentine's Day. So so we we we're good for about six weeks, and then we're we're we 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 no longer do it consistently. We fall off the wagon. We have these goals. We have changes we want to make, but we end up feeling like the Apostle Paul did. And he writes in Romans chapter 7, I'm going to read verse 15, 18, 19, 24, and 25. Here's what he says in, in, in that chapter. Paul said, I don't really understand myself. Anybody relate to that? I mean, that's just a great place to stop, isn't it? 
I mean, the greatest apostle who ever lived, he starts out here by saying, I, I don't even understand myself. For what I want to do, uh, what, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody feeling that this morning? Like, I, I, if, if there's any passage of Scripture that should preach in the church, it ought to be that one right there because I know y'all ain't that holy. I know y'all got some stuff that you're thinking, I wish I could get it right, but I'm still getting it wrong. And he goes on to say, oh, what a miserable person I am. He's in the molly grubs. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And if you stopped right there, it would be very discouraging for us to go home right now. But the Apostle Paul didn't stop there. He goes on to say, but thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because, my, because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. The Apostle Paul is saying, I don't understand myself. I'm, I'm doing um, things that I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing, and, and he says, I'm frustrated. I feel like I am a miserable person. I'm a wretched individual. And many of us can relate to what the Apostle Paul is saying. I know that, and maybe not you, but for myself over the last two years, there have been moments when I thought, man, I, I, I'm doing things I, I shouldn't. I, I, the things I don't want to do, I, I find myself doing. I want to do what's right, but I'm not obtaining it. I, I, I feel like I'm making a little progress one day, but I'm knocked back the next day. And I can relate to what the Apostle Paul is saying. For some of you, it looks like this. I can't stop eating the junk food. I just can't stop it. I can't stop procrastinating. I want to stop overspending at Target. But I can't. I want to stop all these things, but instead I do what I hate. I want to do good things. I want to do the right things, but I don't do it. The Apostle Paul, watch what he does. He, he connects his failure to his identity. He connects it. He connects failure to his identity. He says, what a miserable person I am. What a failure. I'm not disciplined. I'm not, I'm not organized. I, I'm always late. I, I, I don't, I'm not managing my emotions. I'm, I'm not becoming more like Christ. And then he asks a question. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he looks to the only source, the one I was telling you about a few minutes ago, that if you make it your desire to touch him, he will also touch you. Because at the end of the day, it's not your strength. Christ is our strength. Christ is our healing. Christ is our hope. Christ is our deliverance. Anybody know what I'm saying today? That Jesus is the source. And I love that. 
He wraps it up by saying Jesus is the source. And, and what we can take from that is that it doesn't matter who we were. It doesn't matter where you were. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter where you've been. That in Christ, he takes all things. Everybody say all things. He takes all things and makes them new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's the type of creation that has never existed before and the old is gone and the new has come and my prayer is that you would experience the life that God has for you and not only the abundant life that he has for you but that you would learn how to to do practical things, spiritual disciplines that would create a life that is honoring and pleasing to God. So why is it that even though we have good intentions, we all have good intentions, I think for the most part, we can say we have good intentions, we want to make positive changes, we want to do A, B, and C, and that's all great. Whether it's losing weight or getting close to God or getting a business off the ground or having a great school year this year, we all have these goals, but Why is it that even though we have goals that sometimes we fail, and I want to give you three quick reasons on why sometimes we're not seeing the result that we want. Number one, we focus on the what, but don't understand the how. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. We focus on the action that we want to perform, the thing that we want to accomplish, but we don't know or understand how to get there. And the truth is, I shared this with the prayer team this morning before service, the truth is, is most of us have similar goals. I mean, if I were to poll this congregation and ask you what your goals are all across this room, you would be surprised at how similar our goals are. That a lot of us, if we were polled and asked, what are your goals? What, what, what do you want to become? What, what's important to you? A lot of people would say, I want to be healthy in some form. Right? How many would say, by raising your hand, I want to be healthy in some kind of way? Right? Like most of us, I, we want to be healthy. I don't know anyone that would say, this year my goal is to have extremely high blood pressure. My goal is to have high cholesterol. I think most people would say my goal is to be, you know, a little more healthy. Many of you would say I want to get better financially. I want to get out of debt. I want to be free. I want to be able to be generous. I don't know anyone that would say I want to double my debt and I want to get it at a very high interest rate. I don't know anybody that that would say that. Many of you would say, I want better relationships. You know, I I don't know anybody that would get married and say, you know what, I hope we can make it three or four years and then get a divorce. Nobody starts out like that. We, We want a lot of the same things. We have similar goals, but the results are dramatically different. Some are really achieving their goals, while other people are not. In fact, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, he says this. He says, winners and losers generally have the same goals. Successful people and unsuccessful people have the same goals. Think about the beginning of a sports year. 
Every coach starts out the year with their team by saying, we're, we want to win the championship. I don't know any coach that shows up on the first day of practice and says, bless God, we will finish last. It's going to be amazing. I hope you guys are excited. The goal is to win. The goal is to win, win it all. And so we all have a lot of similar goals, but we end up with very different results. And, and here, here's the thing. Please don't tune me out. Why does that happen? Here's why. Goals do not determine success, but systems determine success. Goals don't get us alone to the end desire, but the systems in our life will determine our success. I don't care if it's being a better Christian, a better spouse, a better parent, a better business leader, a better teacher, a better principal, a better small group leader, a better friend. I don't care what the goal is. It's not the goal that will determine the success, but it, it, it's, the question becomes, do you have the systems in place to deliver the results that you want? And this is the breakdown. Because at the end of the day, we do not rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. You might think, that doesn't sound very spiritual, Pastor. It's extremely spiritual. We see it all throughout the scripture. I could go down a list of people that had not only goals, but they had systems that would deliver the results they wanted. For, for one, I'll give you Daniel. When we look at the life of Daniel in the Old Testament and we look at his life and all that he did, you may ask, why was he successful? Why was he different and why did he stand out? amongst all the other young men in his day? Why did he stand out and why did God use him? Why was he thrown into a lion's den and came out without a scratch? Why, what, what, what is it about Daniel that made him different? And I believe very, very simply it's because he had systems in place that led to a life of faith and faithfulness. You say, what was his system? I'm glad you asked. He predecided long before he ever was thrown into a lion's den, that he would pray three times a day. Daniel had a system in place that set him apart. He pre-decided. If you want to grow in your faith, if you want to become more faithful, you're not going to rise to the level of your goal. You're going to fall to the level of your systems. If you have in place systems that build your faith, that grow your knowledge and strength and intimacy in God, then you're more likely to become the person that you want to become. We tend to think, I want to change the results I'm getting. I want to lose 20 pounds by Christmas. How many know that that alone is not going to achieve anything? If I don't have a system in place, if I don't have a meal plan, if I don't have an exercise regimen, I'm not going to get in shape. Matter of fact, I'm not only not going to lose the 20 pounds, I'm probably going to add 20, Right? Because I don't have a system to deliver that goal. And so if we will fix what we do and how we live, the habits of our life, the outcomes will, act, will actually fix themselves. So we focus on the what but don't understand the how. Number two, here's the, another reason why we fail. We don't see progress fast enough. 
You work out three days in a row and you get on the scale to realize you gained two pounds. You say, oh, why am I doing this? I'll go back to eating what I want. You, you start a Bible reading plan and you've made it 10 days in a row. But on the 10th day, you're on your way to church with the kids and find yourself screaming at the top of your lungs at those crazy kids. And you think to yourself, I've read the Bible 10 days in a row and I'm still crazy. You, you don't see the progress fast enough. You go a whole month watching your budget because you want to make a dent in the mortgage. And so you live on budget for 30 days. At the end of the month, you, you, you give an extra $500 to the mortgage company. And then you realize instead of owing $175,000, now I owe $174,500. Like what is the point, right? Like we, we, we don't see the progress fast enough. And so what we start to believe when we don't see the progress happen fast enough, we start to believe that the small good decisions don't matter. We wrongly conclude that the small God-honoring habits, this small faithful decision, this small positive action doesn't make a big difference. And when that happens is, is that if we see things aren't working fast enough, we start developing bad habits. So instead of doing the things we set out to do, instead of working on those, um, we just play video games. I ain't played video games in a long time, but there's some, they some men in here playing video games for about four hours every evening. Every evening. And, and you think, well, you know, my wife's not real happy with me doing this, but we're still together. So it really didn't move the needle. You skip church for a weekend and your whole world doesn't fall apart. You think nothing tragic is happening to you spiritually. You eat a box of chocolates and nothing really changes and you conclude that these small bad decisions are not impacting your life. That the small good decisions don't really move the needle. The small bad decisions don't really move the needle. And what you're missing is this, is that our life is the sum total of all the decisions that we make that all the small decisions we make on a daily basis become the sum total of what our life looks like. You are who you are today because of every small decision you have made along the way. They all matter and they all add up over time. And what happens is, is that you rarely wreck your life with one decision. But you do make a small bad decision, a little compromise here, a little we don't really have to go to church, a little I don't need a small group, a little I don't need to serve anymore, a cut the corner here, a fudge a little bit there, a lie over here, step over the line there, and one day you wake up and you say something to the effect of, how did I end up here? It wasn't one decision that you made that put your life in that place. Place, but it was small decision after small decision that eventually adds up. And now you don't like where you are. The opposite is true with a good decision. If you find a person who's crushing it, you look at their life and you see they're on fire for God 
and you see they love their wife. They are awesome with their kids. They work harder than anybody else at work. They, they, they're seeing success in all parts of their life. They did not get there all at once. That did not happen overnight. It was one decision after another. It was a moment of self-sacrifice here, a small discipline over here done again and again. And you may look at them and think they're an overnight success. Look at their life. They are blessed. Everything they put their hands to is prospering. Man, God must really love them. But you didn't see the time they spent in prayer. You didn't see the time they fasted. You didn't see the difficult conversation conversations they had along the way. You did not see the early mornings that they got up an hour early just to spend time with God. You didn't see the seasons they endured criticism from everybody around them. You didn't see all that they went through, but they made consistent decisions day after day after day. And now you're looking at them saying, man, I wish I had what they had. But if you're not willing to do what they did, you're never going to have what they have. I've been around some incredible people in my life. Incredible. People that I look up to. People that stretch me. People that are living uh, in a way that, that I'm, I'm like, man, it would be so awesome. But every time I get around somebody like that, I find out it's never an overnight. TikTok video went viral We got a bunch of YouTubers and young people thinking if I just get one thing to go viral, I'll have the life. I'm telling you, even if you got the life like that, you wouldn't have the character to sustain that life. Once you got there, there are some things that you need to get along the way that doesn't happen overnight. Your good decisions are not wasted. Your good decisions are being stored up. The best way I could explain this to you is that your good decisions, when you make them consistently and you, you're developing, I don't care if it's exercise, you're, you're exercising daily, you're getting up early to seek God, you're, you're showing up early in that classroom, teachers, to prepare because every single day is a decision that you're going to make a difference, that, that those, those decisions are actually being stored up. And it's kind of like boiling water. The water, we know when you boil water, it starts out at room temperature. And you turn up the stovetop and, 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 you know, the water temperature starts rising. And it, it, it's room temperature and then it hits 80 degrees and 100 degrees and 120 degrees and 200 degrees and 211 degrees. But then at 212 degrees, you hit the tipping point. It's not just really hot water. It's boiling water. You add a little God-honoring discipline to your life here, and then you add another one. You add another one. You add a little faithfulness. You may not see the results immediately, but I came to tell somebody your small decisions are being stored up and your temperature, hear me, your temperature is rising. Your faith is being stored up. And at some point, there will be a tipping point and it will become obvious to not only you, but to everyone around you that bam, now you're in shape. Now you got those credit cards paid off. Now the kids aren't so crazy because you've been intentional. 
Now you got the career you wanted. Now that business is starting to flourish. Now that ministry is going forward. Why? Because it was one small decision. Bethesda, we're, I believe we're spiritually at a tipping point. One small decision. Enduring one more day of obstacles with a good attitude and a good spirit. And people will say, man, I, I look at them, overnight wonders. People crack me up. They come here and say, well, this is awesome. Look at what the Lord has done. And they're like, it must be nice. I'm like, you had not been here all 15 years. It ain't been nice. It hasn't. There had been a lot of days it wasn't nice. I wanted to run for the hills. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. I won't go down that road. But people have no idea when you reach the goals when you've put the systems in place and those small disciplines begin to add up, they don't see the private sacrifices you made. They don't see that you were faithful even when no one was looking. Nobody was watching. Nobody was holding you accountable. And you consistently stayed faithful and stacked one decision on top of another. Galatians 6 and 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's not become weary in doing the right things. Let's not become weary in living on that budget. Let's not become weary in getting up to work out. Let's not become weary in getting up to spend time with the Holy Ghost. Let's not get weary opening up that Bible and letting the Word of God jump off the page. Let's not grow weary in fasting. Let's not grow weary in doing the God-honoring thing. Let's not grow weary in coming into the house of God and lifting up a high praise. Let's not grow weary in believing God for revival. Let's not grow weary in believing that the dead will be raised and the sick will be healed and the blind will begin to see. Let's not grow weary in doing the right things consistently over the long haul. Why? Because you may not see anything for a little while, but it's being stored up and in due season. In due season, at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. Why do we fail? We focus on the what, but don't understand the how. We don't see progress fast enough. Last point. Hit your neighbor and say, this is it. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. Now, I got to explain this one. It's going to take just a minute. What does the enemy do? The enemy works overtime in trying to connect our failure to our identity. So you you did bad, so you're bad. And you got to be careful about letting people in your life that want to talk about what you did. Every once in a while, you got to say, shut up in the name of Jesus. That is not who I am. That's what I did, but it's not who I am. 
the enemy will work overtime in trying to connect your identity to what you did. You did bad, therefore you are bad. And this is what the Apostle Paul was feeling when he wrote, I try to do right, but I don't do what is right. And what does he say? He says, I am a miserable person. What's Paul doing? He's connecting his failure to his identity. When you look at some of the most effective people in God's word, you see people who battled identity issues. When you look at Moses, who did not live up to his own expectations, and God calls him, says, Moses, you're going to be the great deliverer. And what does Moses say? God, I stutter. I'm not a leader. Surely you can find someone better than me. Has anybody in this room ever felt unqualified for the assignment God had placed on your life? We have all been there. Moses says, I'm not able. Gideon, God shows up and says, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, I'm nervous. I'm scared. He took his failures and he connected it to his identity. And he even told God, he said, I'm the weakest and I'm the least in my community. Gideon would say, God, hey, do you know me? Like I am the least qualified person to be able to do what you are telling me to do. The apostle Paul, when he was called, he said, I am unqualified. I am not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I feel like I am unworthy. Now we do this all the time. It just comes out in little tidbits in words that we say. We say things like, it's just the way I am. I have an addictive personality. I'm not good with money. I'm not a disciplined person. I'm not organized. I've never had good relationships. What, have you, what are you doing? You're connecting past failures to your current identity and wondering why your season never changes. I'm preaching right now in case you don't know that. And here's the thing that happens. An unhealthy identity. When I have an unhealthy identity, it creates unwise habits. I'm always going to live in the direction of who I see myself as. If I see myself as unwise, undisciplined, ungodly, you know what I'm going to do? You know what kind of habits I'm going to have? Ungodly habits, undisciplined habits. I'm going to do things that, that literally wreck the call of God on my life. 
But when I see myself, and somebody needs to hear this today because you've been through a difficult season, you've made some mistakes, you've missed the mark, and you've connected your failure to your identity, God would have me tell you that his hand is still on you. You are a child of God. You are a contributor. You are a disciple. You are are a world changer. And when you start seeing yourself the way God sees you, you start developing habits that are in alignment with who you know you already are. Somebody give God a praise today. If you believe, man, I feel this thing today. I didn't know it was going to come out quite like this, but somebody needs to hear today. Watch this. Go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand. That helped me quit. Unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. Watch this. And unwise habits reinforce unhealthy identity. What happens is somebody tells you, you did that, so you are that. And you just receive it over and over. You internalize it, condemnation, shame. What happens is a cycle. Your identity is messed up. Now your habits are messed up. Your habits are now reinforcing the bad identity that you have. But I say today in the name of Jesus, that unhealthy identity, those unhealthy habits that have been reinforcing that unhealthy identity, we command it to break in the name of Jesus. We command it to go in the name of Jesus. We are not what we did. We are who God says we are. We are children of God. We are anointed. We are the head and not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. Our best days are not behind us. Our best days are still in front of us. Every place the soles of your feet touch, God has already given it to you. So so many times we start with the goal. And I don't want you to start with the goal. I want you to start with the who. Let let me explain it this way. Who is it that when people describe you, you want them to describe? You got to decide who you want to be first. Because once you've decided who you want to be, now I know the habits I need to reinforce who I want to be. I can say I want to be a great husband. And that's a great place to start. But how many know there's got to be some steps in place to becoming a great husband? So many times what we say is pipe dreams. I want to be anointed. I want to be used of God. I want to be a great husband. I want to lead people. And we got all these big sayings, and we have absolutely no habits, no disciplines to Deliver the success that we tell everybody we want. But when you know who you are, you will know what to do. Who do you want to be? Because if you can answer that question, you know the steps you need to take to reinforce who you've already determined to be. Romans chapter 6, Paul says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. 
And now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. Who are you in Christ? You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You are the anointed. You are the called. You are the chosen. You are the royal priesthood. You are, sir, you are a good husband. Start acting like it. Ma'am, you are a good wife. Start acting like it. You are a good parent. Start acting like it. Determine who you want to be. And it will give you the habits that you need to exercise to reinforce who you've already decided to be. No single action will change your identity, but consistent actions over time start to change how you feel about yourself, starts to change your identity because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Did you get anything out of the word today? Ooh, I got a little fired up here today. I want, I want you to take just a minute. We're going we're gonna to pray for anybody who's lost first. Then we're going to pray for all of our Board of Education employees. But I want you to bow your heads for just a minute. And I don't know who all is in the room today. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what you did. But hopefully, now that you've heard this message, you understand it doesn't really matter what you did. Because the cool thing about Jesus is that he meets us where we are. He's in this room. The Holy Spirit is in this room. And I believe that he's speaking to people about their relationship with Christ. And he's speaking to you and he's giving you an opportunity to put your faith and your trust in him. And so, no one's looking around. It's just me, you, and, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask you, if you're in this place this morning, you say, Pastor, I, I'm not in relationship with Jesus. I'm not where I need to be. I know that I'm not ready for his return. I have sin in my life. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but if that is you, you feel like, the Holy Spirit is drawing you into that relationship. And maybe you knew God at one time, but for whatever reason, you went your own way, did your own thing, and you know that this is a moment where you need to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. And not just that I'm sorry, but I, I, I want to make you the Lord of my life, and I want to do a 180. I want my life to turn and go in a completely different direction. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor, I want to be a part of this prayer. If that's you, one, two, three, raise your hands. If that's you, thanks for these hands. All kinds of hands. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Anyone? Eight, nine, ten. I see those hands. Anyone else? Eleven over here. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Before we pray, I don't want to miss anyone at all. Bethesda, what an honor it is today to get to pray with about 11 people that are saying, I'm coming into relationship with Jesus. I want us to lift our voice together. Everybody pray out loud, loud enough to where you can hear it with your own ears. Just repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, take about 10 seconds and lose your mind. Woo! So, so good. Now, I'm going to be extremely intentional. I know everybody's waiting on the fun, and we still got to honor some people but I got to be intentional in this moment. If you made that decision to follow Christ between now and the end of this service, because we're going to pray over the Board of Education employees, we're going to give them some gifts, we're going to love on them, but the worship team will be coming after that to lead us in one more song. So between now and the end of the service, I want you to make your way over to the salvation table. It is in the back, my left, your right of the room. Uh, we've written a brand new book here at Bethesda Church that we're calling A Compass, a guide that will help you on your journey. We want to put the compass in your hand, all right? We're going to be inviting you to a compass class on the third Sunday of September. We're launching compass groups because we're taking discipleship seriously here at Bethesda Church. We're going to disciple people one person at a time. We're going to put a brand new Bible in your hand how many are thankful for the people in your life that helped you along the way? All right, we're going to be that for some people in this church. So I, you can make your way between now and the end of the service over to that table, and we will help you take your next step. At this time, though, I want us to invite uh, the prayer team. If you all would come get in place first, that would be awesome. But I want to invite all of our Board of Education employees, if they would, whether you're a teacher a principal, a cook, a bus driver, if you work in the school system. Listen, if you are uh, doing homeschooling, I want you to be a part of this because you are educating your children. I want to invite all of those people that fall into that category, if you would, to make your way up to the front here. And as they're coming to the front, can we just show them some love today? Amen. That we love them. We thank God for them. Whoop, whoop. Look at all the educators. Teachers and principals. Bus drivers, homeschool moms and dads. Custodians. All kinds of wonderful people. Listen, we are so thankful. And, and my wife said it better than I can say it. She's so good with, with these kind of moments. And we really do thank God for each and every one of you. And, yeah. I remember about 10 years ago when we were trying to find a way to give back to our community. The reason we started this wasn't just because we thought this would be something good to do. We fully believe in this. We believe there's power in blessing our students, but also power in blessing our 
all those that work in the school system, whether private school, public school, home school. Can we one more time give it up for all of those people? We honor you. We place a great amount of value on you. Our prayer team, they're ready. I'm going to kind of lead the prayer from here. And, and listen, they're not going to come by and spend 20 minutes praying all over you, all right? They're going to come by and they're going to bless you. And in the blessing, we believe there will be divine protection over you this, this year. We believe that God is going to resource you. So many times I know teachers struggle with resources, not this year. If you struggle with resources at, in your current setting, you let us know. But as the church, will we make sure that our teachers will not struggle with resources? That they're going to have everything they need to have in order to do their job effectively. We're praying for a great relationship over you and your students, you and your co-workers. Prayer team, if you would, go ahead and get in place and begin to bless them. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, over every Board of Education employee, over every person that works within the school system, whether public or private, those that are teaching classes, those, God, that are working in administration, those, God, that are cleaning the building, those that are cooking the food, driving the buses, God, those that are homeschooling, we pray your blessing over them in the name of Jesus. We ask, God, that you would bless them. We ask, God, that you would protect them. We ask, God, that you would resource them. We speak your blessing over them. We pray that this year would be their best year. God, we pray that as they do what you have called them to do, God, that you would anoint them, God, to, to teach, anoint them, to, God, to perform the tasks that they need to perform each and every day. And, God, I pray that they would see unprecedented results this year. I pray that they would see students rise, rise like never before and become all, God, that you have called them to be. God, I pray for their families, God. I pray for their children, God, that as they pour into other students and other kids, God, that you, by the Holy Spirit, will pour into their kids and into their families. God, we bless them right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask, God, that you would do exceeding abundantly above all that they could ever ask or imagine. We thank you, God, for each and every one of them. And we bless them right now in the powerful name of Jesus. We bless them in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. I pray that they be encouraged. God, let them be encouraged in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that they would be confident in your ability to meet them where they are this year. We just declare that 2022 and 23 will be an incredible year in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask those that have been assigned, if you would, go ahead and place a gift in every one of their hands today. We have a gift for you. Um, on each side of, of the platform, they're going to kind of bring them over to you, just something that we want to put in your hands. And hopefully the umbrellas will be a reminder 
that you're being prayed for, you're being thought about, that you're loved. One more time, Bethesda Church, will you let all of our Board of Education employees, come on, all those that are doing homeschooling, private schooling, come on, put your hands together. Worship team, you guys come close us out. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.